This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? It's good, it's good. I'm kind of exhausted, but we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah, it's <laughs> the way it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a busy day of not working. But... <laughs> yeah, I had a busy day of working, so... That's disappointing. Yeah, it happens. Are you getting to play with film now that Interstellar is out? Um, I got to play with it. I was there to help prep it, and I ran the first show, and then I, w- I walked away after that. So I got it up and running, and, and then I I stepped into the background, I guess. So Did you kiss it? Did you kiss the physical print? I did not mm. kiss it, no. Damn it. I took a lot of pictures. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. It's cool. Okay. Well, today we're going to cover another comics comparison. Now, you and I uh, had a, a, not a disagreement, but I wanted to skip Vulcan's Vengeance because I didn't think that it really tied into an episode, but you insisted uh, that that it does, and I'm, uh, so we read the comic, and we're going to compare it to Balance of Terror? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's interesting, like with these uh, comic books, most of them are named after the episodes which they're based on. There's a couple that aren't where they may, but but they're obviously about uh, that episode or, or about the same events in that episode. You know, an example would be uh, the Apple, I forget what the comic book is called, but where it's looking at red shirts. And mm-hmm. it's the story of the apple, but it's told from the perspective of red shirts. And it's like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. And, you know, this was the first comic which was based on an original idea, you could say. But when I was reading it, I kept on thinking, like, this is kind of balance of terror, you know? A- at least there are um, uh, certain mirrors which which exist between the, the two, Um kind of in in a similar way to Wrath of Khan and Into Darkness. Um, it's not the same story, but it has similar elements. And I think what's interesting about it is this is kind of what Balance of Terror would have been in the JJ-verse, you know, with the events that have, have occurred already. You can't do Balance of Terror the way it was done in the original series. You've got to do it differently. And, you know, mm-hmm. part of the the reason why we're doing these comic comparisons is to kind of see where the timeline deviates and everything like that. And, there, you know, look at the subtle differences and what does that mean for the overall thing. And I think that Vulcan's Vengeance and Balance of Terror is that on sort of a, a grand scale where there are little itty bitty similarities, but on the whole, it's a vastly different story. And the reason for that is because of the change in the timeline, as I see it. Mm-hmm. So, 
So, that's so how do we want to break this down? Because usually we go through beat by beat and then talk about the differences. Uh, in reality, I mean, everything is completely different. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners haven't even read this comic. I think the way to go about it, since, you know, we, we're approaching this kind of from the comic perspective, we're going in the order of the comics and everything like that. I think the thing to do is to go through the comic and then sort of note where the similarities and differences are to the episode. Okay. So, I mean, it starts off with a uh, a deal going on in a CD bar where an alien, who I think was in a deleted scene in, in Star Trek 09, if I'm not mistaken, right? The guy with, like, the three faces or whatever. Was oh, that why he looks familiar? I think so. I want to point out uh, that it's in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. Which, I'm just shaking my head. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but what can you do? But he has um, the blueprints or whatever of the Narada, the schematics of the Narada, which uh, he got when they were in the Klingon prison camp. Uh, I think Rurapente, right? And he's selling them to a guy, a mysterious figure who is missing some fingers, uh, who we find out later is a Vulcan, right? Right. So then we get to the Enterprise, and we're kind of thrown into this action because there is a uh, outpost of some sort. It, it was a uh, communications communications relay. relay, okay, which has been destroyed along the neutral zone, the Romulan neutral zone, the Romulan neutral zone, which is disrupting communications. Now this is very similar to what happened at the start of Balance of Terror. They were destroying mm -hmm. outposts, but one of the things that they were talking about and the way that they figured this out was because they lost communication with them, right? right. So, so here there aren't any people being killed, but there are uh, things being destroyed in order to sort of prevent communication. And I think the reason why they changed that and made it so that there weren't people getting killed is because one of the things which is interesting about this in comparison to Balance of Terror is that here the Federation and the Vulcans are the aggressors and the Romulans are sort of just sitting back and uh, reacting, which is kind of the, the, the flip side of what was going on in the original series where the, you know, the Enterprise goes to the neutral zone because their outposts are getting wiped out. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool. But they still don't know what's going on. They don't know who it is, and they're assuming that it's the Romulans, although they don't understand why they would do that because it disrupts the peace. Now, I can't remember, and I just watched it today, but like, what was their reaction to the outposts getting destroyed uh in balance of terror because that was disrupting the peace too were they like mm -hmm. why were they doing this i don't recall i don't i don't recall either but it was the what what was the romulan's reason for doing it do you remember that um i i kind of conflate the episode with the uh great comics uh that that take place before and after mm -hmm. and it's Basically, they're testing their cloaking device. They're testing their new toy. 
Okay. All right. And and I think that that does come through in the episode too. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And here, you know, the reason for the uh the disabling of the um arrays is so that they can't basically so that the I think the the Federation doesn't know what's going on on Romulus, right? Cuz it's the right. Vulcans who destroy it. I think it's because they're doing this like attack you know, stealing the plans, uh, stealing the red matter from the other Vulcan ship. I think that they just destroyed that. What doesn't make any sense why they would destroy it? Well, I mean, like here... Because they obviously can hear the, the distress call anyway. But like here they ask, you know, uh, they're speculating as to why that happened. And, um, you know, Kirk is like, why would they do that? It seems a little insignificant um, for the Romulans to do that. And Spock says, perhaps not so insignificant as it would appear, Captain. Disabling a sensor relay uh, prevents any subspace communication between ships. Should we find any evidence of further Romulan aggression, we would be unable to alert Starfleet without considerable delay. So I think that that was done by the Vulcans so that the Federation couldn't come in and do, well, what the Enterprise does. Because most people would ask permission first. Right. And that's and that's kind of a similar thing to Balance of Terror too, right? He can't right. get communication back to the Federation. There's that whole thing where he's like, "All right, send a message and tell them that I'm going to do it anyway," and you know <laughs> whatever. And then after the conflict is over with, they get the message back saying, "They said it's okay for you to do that thing you just did," <laughs> you know. So so then they run into a couple. Vulcan ships, or or one Vulcan ship, I guess it is, right? No, they're two. Two, okay. One attacking the other. Yeah, and they're like, why are these ships out here in the middle of nowhere? This doesn't make any sense, right? All the Vulcan ships are supposed to be part of, like, three fleets because we need to keep track of these, keep track of these guys so that they don't die off because they're an endangered species. And... It's one Vulcan ship attacking another Vulcan ship, and you see the attackers are wearing masks, and they steal this red matter. Cobra Commander masks. Cobra Commander masks, yes. They steal this red matter, and then Kirk and company are trying to stop them, and they end up in a firefight, and uh, there is uh, a one Vulcan which is being held hostage by another Vulcan and he's using him as like a body shield, and they beam out. And it's then revealed that these are not Vulcans. These are Romulans, right? And Romulans on Vulcan ships. Right. And not, not just any Romulans, but Nero Romulans, right? Right. Future Romulans. Right. So I think they assumed that they were Romulans to begin with. But when they see that they're future Romulans, there is that, that reveal where he, he takes off his mask and you see that it's a future Romulan. And the reaction of Kirk is very similar to the reaction of the Enterprise crew when they see Romulans for the first time in Balance of Terror, where it's like, oh my God, that's a Vulcan. you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, the bigger twist here is that it is a Vulcan, right. but... They they don't think it's a Vulcan. They think it's a Romulan, and not only that, but they think it's a future Romulan. So it's like a a triple weird reveal thing. Yeah, 
I'm I'm wondering how far that goes because I just watched Unification and uh, you can tell Spock Vulcan you know he doesn't have the ridges on his head right and stuff so it's like and and later on in this comic the Romulans can't tell that these are Vulcans yeah maybe because they're future Romulans and maybe Romulans think that maybe future Romulans look more like Vulcans but. If anything, future Rom- Romulans should look l- less like Vulcans because in Next Generation era, future Romulans have ridges. Right. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to figure out why these Romulans don't know that these Vulcans are not Romulans. <laughs> it's it's one of those weird things because obviously the original intention in the original series was Romulans look like Vulcans. That's like the whole thing. Right. That's why they did that. You know, it's not like they were like, well, we're going to have another race called Romulans and we're going to give them pointy ears because, well, you know, I mean, what else are we going to do? I mean, that (laughs) seems to be like a thing. What are we going to do? Put wrinkles on their nose? Right. Exactly. So like the whole point, the, the whole way the Romulans were created were as a race which looks identical to Vulcans. Mm-hmm. And then, it, which is perfect for that episode, but which can get confusing when you're using Romulans for other things and you're trying to, you know, make this read on a certain level to a certain audience who may or may not have seen Balance of Terror. And, you know, when they they went through the original series, they just kind of dealt with it. But then you get to Next Gen Era and you can tell that there's that thing where they're like, we need to make sure that people don't know know that these guys aren't Vulcans, and it's hard enough already since they have the pointy ears. So let's give them some form of ridges, and that'll work, you know. And that was why they did that. But then for the new movies, I get the impression that they were like, "Well, we want to maintain what we they did in the original series, but at the same time, we do need to differentiate, especially since we've got a Vulcan in this thing." So Two the way Vulcans. that they do it. Two Vulcans, yeah. So the way that they do it is to shave their heads and give them tattoos, gnaw one of the dude's ears off, you know? I mean, they they go a long way to making these people look different from Vulcans, despite the fact that they have pointy ears. But they could still be look-alike Vulcans had they not tattooed their faces and shaved their heads. Mm -hmm. It's just weird. It's like they went back and then, but still had the same problem and went, they went back into the left, right? <laughs> or something along those lines. I don't know. That doesn't have anything to do with this episode, really. Although it does. Because it does. if they. I, I think that it, it does kind of tie into the whole racism kind of thing that, that Balance of Terror deals with. Yeah. But instead of it being a human being prejudiced against Vulcans because. The Romulans look like Vulcans. The Vulcans are taking advantage of themselves looking like Romulans in order to be racist against Romulans, future Romulans. Yeah, yeah. Present Vulcans are dressed up as future Romulans, trying to prevent future Romulans from existing. Yes. And by by killing the present-day Romulans. Yes. Exactly. And And that's a good point, that, you know, this episode does deal with racism... Uh, in the same way that, or not in the same way that Balance of Terror uh, did, but in a different way, which is kind of mm. cool. 
they make the Vulcans the racist ones. And they're going after a guy. No, they're going after an entire race because that hasn't of done anything yet. Yeah, that hasn't done anything well, yet. But they're but I mean, and here's sort of a cool mirror. Like they're going after an entire race because of one lunatic. Whereas in Balance of Terror, because of the actions of an entire race, one guy is going after Spock. You know. Okay. Right. No, I got it. Yeah. I follow. It's interesting, right? So they do their their thing, right? And and it's revealed that these supposed future Romulans have red matter and that they're going to bring it back to Romulus in order to give it back to their people, right? As they deserve. So Kirk and Spock and all them are like, you know, we can't really let that happen because, you know, balance of power, as, as you know, Pike supposedly says at the end of this episode, and they're going to lose that. You know, the, the Romulans will have the upper hand because they'll have the red matter and they'll have the Narada blueprints. And as they're formulating a plan and everything, um, the first issue ends with the reveal that the person who is being used as the uh, the shield when when the the Vulcan shield the Vulcan shield yeah not human shield but the Vulcan shield as the fake Romulans were beaming out was in fact someone who was working with the fake Romulans and that person is Sarek. Dun, dun, dun. Which you could say is another parallel in that there's a character played by Mark Leonard, but it's not yes. the same character. Not the same Mark Leonard. No, no, not that either. So we get back into it, and uh, they decide to send a shuttlecraft, I think, yes. outside of the neutral zone, right? They decide to go or into the neutral zone, right? Yeah, Kirk decides that sending one shuttle across the neutral zone would pique the Romulans' curiosity and maybe they won't blow them up or consider it an act of war as opposed to bringing the flagship across the neutral zone. Right. But, Which, of course, Kirk does every day in the original series. Yeah. Although in the original series, it was a thing where it's like, are we going to do this? Are we going to go into the neutral zone? Well, it looks like we don't have a choice. Okay, let's do it. You know? And here they do it again, you know? And they don't have a choice because they can't talk to Starfleet and get any backup or anything. Right. So that's, you know, kind of the same as, as Balance of Terror. So they're trying to explain what happened to the Romulans. Whereas, you know, they're trying to figure out what happened themselves in Balance of Terror. And they're, you know, almost instantly in combat with the the, the Romulans here in in Vulcan's Vengeance, they're trying to prevent prevent a conflict. You know, um, they're saying so. They explain the situation to the Romulans, and the Romulans are like, uh, "That's doesn't make a lot of sense." You know, <laughs> what are, what are you really doing here? And he's like, "I'm telling the truth." So he has a a little sit down kind of thing with the Vulcan dude, Rome. and I'm sorry, yes. Thank you. The Romulan dude. Yes. Which, it's very nice in the comics, they are wearing their TOS uniforms. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? 
yeah. the gloves and everything. It's they're not wearing. Oh no, no, the guards are wearing stupid helmets. So yeah, it's TOS all the way. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, a thing which doesn't make a lot of sense in uh, now knowing what happens in Into Darkness, where Sulu is in command of the Enterprise. That shouldn't happen. He should have never been in command. But what can you do? So the first time he's in command is in Into Darkness. Right, exactly. Right. And and here they even talk about like, oh, I wish, uh, you know, I'm glad that I'm not uh, in command because that would suck <laughs> and everything. So the humans are going to be put on trial for their thing, invading the neutral zone and everything like that. And it's decided that they are going to be sentenced to life in prison. Right. And they're like, but we have one more thing. There's one more thing that we can do. And it turns out that that one thing is Spock, who yes. who is, is returned to his fellow uh, fake yes. Romulans. Spock <laughs> is wearing a Cobra Commander helmet yes. so that uh, he can pretend to be a prisoner of the fake future Romulans himself a fake future Romulan. So they put him in an apartment with the other fake future Romulans who are actually Vulcans. And so Spock can figure out what's going on. Right. So Spock shows up and they're like, what? Spock, what are you doing here? And then he's like, dad, what are you doing here? And then Sarek says, well, what I'm doing here is I'm getting revenge for what Romulans did to us. So what we're going to do is we're going to deliver this piece of red matter to them and be like, hey, look what we found. We deserve this, don't we? And they're like, yeah, that's great. And then they're going to blow it up and uh, commit an act of terrorism. Balance yeah. of terror, right? Oh. No? Oh, that works. So... I just I just don't understand the logic of their plan because they're they're they speak of like preventing Nero from existing in the future but it's not like we're in a time loop it's not like we're breaking out of a time loop Vulcan is gone well, I think what they're saying is... They can't... Is, if they if they blow up future Nero, it's not like that Nero is going to fall through a wormhole and blow up a completely different Vulcan. It's possible that they don't understand time travel, but it's also possible that, you know, they were just saying, like, he won't exist. He won't have the chance to do something terrible to our people like he did before. But he already did. Yeah, I know. But they're saying, like, it won't happen again the future him won't be able to do that. The future him will have no reason to... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe he will. They need to blow up the Hobus star right now with that red matter and save future Romulus Yeah, as a peace offering. That's what they should have done. Right. So Spock is able to talk some sense into Sarek, and Sarek's like, you know what? This is not a good idea. You know, I don't know what I was thinking. That was kind of weird. Um, let's not do this after all. But the other Vulcans are like, no, no, we should totally do this. So now it comes down to them stopping the Vulcans from killing the Romulans. Yes. 
and they do. And basically, uh, Romulus is like, um, we're going to let you guys go, the Federation. We're going to let the Federation go because we see what you were doing. You were trying to, to help us. And you were stupid about it, and you went about it completely the wrong way, but your heart was in the right place. And if we kill you, that's going to cause a war, which we don't want to have right now. So you know what? You guys can just go. The Vulcans have to stay and spend the rest of their life in prison because they were trying to blow up our planet, and that's not cool. But we will let Sarek go because we want him to send a message to the Vulcan High Council. It's kind of like, uh, think of the Romulans like Mickey and Mallory Knox from, from Natural Born Killers, where they always leave someone alive to tell the tale. And Sarek is the guy who they leave alive to tell the tale. So, Okay. Yeah. And the, the Romulans also get... Uh, the plans for the Narada mm-hmm. and the Red Matter. Right. They're like, we're keeping that. You, you guys can go uh, <laughs> frack off. And, and so now the <laughs> so now the Federation and maybe the Cardassians are the only people of any significant power in the in the Alpha Quadrant that don't have the plans for the Narada. <laughs> Because the Klingons, everyone has access to future technology, except for yeah, the except for the Federation. Yeah, but that's that's the way it works, and that was sort of like the message to take away, you know, which is the message which Pike tried to give Kirk, which is like you probably acted a little too quickly here, and that was not a good idea, but you know. It's a learning experience. And and I think kind of what we see here, uh, assuming that uh, Johnson and company did have an idea of where they were going with Into Darkness, is we're starting to see little bits be dropped in of, of Kirk um, messing up and learning lessons, which is cool. Yeah, but this is pretty big mess up. It is. And if this was, if this was part of the like actually like mentioned in the movies Mm -hmm. you know like let's line up kirk's crimes so far he went to romulus and let them you know get these giant weapons and then he uh he goes to uh the klingon homeworld and kills a bunch of klingons stuns a bunch of klingons khan kills a bunch of klingons yeah it's like kirk is running around like having fist fights on everybody's homeworld. Mm-hmm. I hope in the next movie he goes to Cardassia and just punches, you know, Gul Dukat's great great grandfather in the face for no reason. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 cool how they're they're sort of like laying the groundwork in these things. I mean, it's it's nothing nothing that you would ever have to read in order to understand. Uh, what's happening in the new movie. It's just sort of like, we're going to tell these stories and we're going to sort of, you know, plant these little ideas in here that you can think about, you know, and, and maybe if you're thinking about them when you go into the new movie, you'll look at it from a 
slightly more enlightened perspective or something like that, you know? And I I think that there, there is some of that here with, with Kirk. I think on the whole, the comic does a better job of dealing with Spock in that sense with him having sort of like a death wish or whatever. He's just like, I don't care. Let Mm. me do whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, because that that really plays well in the movie and and having sort of thought of of all that before going into the movie uh was was interesting but there are other things which are maybe um not so significant they're more just in the little details which annoy me like sulu being in command here you know mm-hmm. But that's that's also kind of a type of thing that happens. Like, I just finished watching The Clone Wars, and one of the things which always bothered me was, you know, um, General Grievous is introduced in Revenge of the Sith, right? And right. he then shows up throughout Clone Wars, and it's kind of like always the same thing, which I know I guess was sort of that, that character's... point but where he gets into something they're about to capture him and then he just runs away you know (laughs) like he does that in every episode and the thing that really bothers me is the way that they deal with Count Dooku because there's the whole thing at the end of Attack of the Clones where they have their fight with Count Dooku and Dooku chops off Anakin's arm and then uh, gets away and then episode 3 starts up with them fighting him again and it's the two of them against Dooku again it's the rematch and Obi-Wan's like this time we'll take him together you know yes. we're going to learn because from the mistakes because this is the first that time that we've faced him since then right and definitely not the eighth time <laughs> i think it might be more than eight times but there are so many times when i think probably both Anakin and Obi-Wan fight Dooku <laughs> together in that and it's like uh. this time because it didn't work the last, you know, maybe if they were working it through, you know, kind of like when you're playing a video game and you're right. like, oh, it's A-A-B, not A-B-A. Oh, okay. You know, it took them forever to figure that out. And, I, you know, you kind of see that happening in these comics as well. Uh, but, you mm-hmm. know, you kind of have to forgive that at some point, you know. Yeah, well, while we take these comics as canon perhaps it's not like they threw out every other piece of star trek and kept this as being a high watermark like disney did with star wars no which is too bad i mean i was just reading an article from about a year ago which now you know that we know all this stuff about star wars it's like oh wow um but yeah that's what jj wanted to do you know he was like let's do this let's do books let's do you know video games and all this stuff and CBS was like, well, we still want to be able to sell these other things and not confuse people and stuff. And he's just like, fuck, screw it. It's <laughs> not happening. Not happening. So too many companies involved. Right. But now, now he is getting to do that with Star Wars, which is cool. So so any final thoughts on uh, Vulcan's Vengeance? Well, I, I definitely see uh, where you're coming from now. It is it is a little thin, but like you said, there's no uh, there's no way to have balance of terror in the new universe because everybody knows the 
Romulans. And so you can't have that, you can't retell that story, have that message. Uh, so uh, this is, this is a, this is a good story. It's got its weird things, but most comic books do, especially these. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we talked about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be curious to learn Johnson's process with this, whether or not he looked at balance of terror and said, well, what would this be now? Or whether he was just a really big fan of balance of terror and kind of like put little nods to it in the show or in the comic or, or, or what the deal was. But I think it's interesting how they do sort of mirror each other, but they're not the same story. It's very similar to me to, uh, in the darkness and wrath of Khan, but it's pretty cool. Well, it was fun talking about Vulcan's vengeance and how it ties into Balance of Terror today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. And then next week, it's like, hey, Worf, what's going on? And he's like, oh, not much. Just, you know, yeah. walking around the bridge like, like I didn't have my spine grown, uh, you know, last week. <laughs> Earl Grey. You know, he's on the Enterprise. He doesn't have to be written in the movie because, hey, he's on the Enterprise. Everyone's on the Enterprise. He gets you a know. chair. He gets a chair. I mean, I mean, the whole beginning is all about his promotion. Yeah, exactly. It's basically a war-centered uh, movie now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> the Orb. Even Odo wasn't able to keep his, you know, quote-unquote, hands clean. The, the fact that he has this kind of sordid past that we didn't really know about until now is really, really interesting. To the journey! I think the audience by large, or by and large, kind of saw Data as a machine and was probably a little more on the side of Maddox, as in Data is it, not he, and that sort of a thing, without even realizing it. And then Measure of a Man took us from that point to, you know what? This guy has the right to choose. Warp 5. The TV viewer who doesn't know anything about that, they're probably more like the actual people of the Enterprise era, where the idea that we would have these starships that can take us into the depths of the galaxy at Warp 5, this is all new for them as well. The Ready Room. Deep Space Nine is closer to the original series than any other Star Trek show in terms of ideals and... Yeah, conflict. There is conflict in the original series. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Wow. What's interesting, though, is this isn't even a threat. I mean, no, no, let no. that be your last yeah. battlefield. It was a threat that Kirk was making in, in, in this episode. Picard's just like, yeah, we don't know who's taking our ship, and nobody's allowed to have our ship, so mm-hmm. you know, let's blow it up. Commentary, Trek stars. Although there is a certain darker aspect to the story than let's say one would find in Roddenberry's version of humanity there is also room for hope literary treks I I can see that Jean-Luc might have told her you know I was reading Janeway's logs and can you believe that Q got married and has a son continuing mission you're watching the man trap and then for no reason at all, they go into the botany, well, I want to call it the botany bay, even though I know that's not right, the botanical. <laughs> the, I think it's just botany room. The botany room. <laughs> and there's this person's hand in a pink glove as a space yep. plant. And you're just like, what? <laughs> Melodic treks. 
the latest Thompson Holiday Company advert. In the United Kingdom, features William Shatner's rendition of the Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Axonar, the official podcast. And as soon as I got back to LA, um, I sat down and in about three or four days wrote this demo suite of uh, four cues. And, you know, thankfully it resonated with Alec and, and Christian, and you know, here here we are. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Let's tell everybody where they can contact us if they'd like to share their thoughts on today's show. They can go to Trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and other listeners at our new Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trekfm and on Twitter under username trekfm. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit? Uh, you can find me right here on Trek FM, where I do commentary Trek Stars with Max and John. And you can find me on commentarytrackstars.com, where I do commentary Trek Stars off-topic with Max and Brandon. And you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. You can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, and various other places around the internet under that username. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I have a book about Vulcans and whatnot. It's called Star Trek Yesterday's Sun. It's written by A.C. Crispin. It's narrated by Leonard Nimoy and James Dewan. It says, On a planet codenamed Gateway stands a mysterious portal to the past, the Guardian of Forever. Spock, Kirk, and McCoy have just returned from a voyage through the Gateway with a young man named Zar, Spock's own son from ancient Sarpedon. Oh, but while Spock and the brilliant... It's a third season episode, you don't remember. Oh, okay. Uh, there you go. <laughs> but while Spock and the brilliant primitive youth try to bridge a gap of centuries and cultures, Gateway is seized by the Romulans. Fe- dun, dun, dun. Featuring a dramatic reading by Leonard Nimoy and James Doohan and enhanced sound effects and an original score. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. And lastly, there's another way you can keep us in orbit, and that's by supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer on some of our shows. You'll find out where the donations can go on the site. They cover things like the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for the shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. 
Well, I'm really looking forward to the next time that we do a comic comparison. I bet you are. Because it's about me. Mm-hmm. A completely different me. I have a lot of problems with that comic, but it'll be fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I kind of agree with you. But it will be interesting, nonetheless. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.